You know who else needs to hear We Told You So? Everyone in WWE. Because I told everyone Seth Rollins will not be defending the title at SummerSlam. You better have an opponent lined up for Brock Lesnar, a challenger for the Universal Champion. And no one in the back listened to me. And I don't know if you heard, but I am the one that has all the stroke around here right now. So I have decided how we're going to determine who will be Brock Lesnar's challenger at SummerSlam because my client is not the easiest conqueror to negotiate with. You can ask UFC, you can ask Vincent Kennedy McMahon, you'll find out Brock Lesnar does and fights who Brock Lesnar wants to fight and what Brock Lesnar wants to do. If any one of you ever had the opportunity to step into the ring with Brock Lesnar, you'd be risking your health, your welfare, and your manhood, because in this universe, you're all Brock's Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette and with me once again as always is the janitor himself. He's cleaning up the messes of the masses. Josh Custodio. Two things, Justin. We're going to get two things out of the way real quick up here at the top, and then we will, of course, get to talking about the wrestling, but two important things to get to first. Are you ready for thing number one, Justin? I've never been more ready. What <sighs> is it? Happy birthday to you, oh. my hashtag good friend. You are, uh, it is one day belated, I suppose, as we record here. Yes. Uh, but it was your birthday this week. It was. How yeah. are you feeling good? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Um, I always feel like the, the birthdays that you're not feeling good on are the ones where, like, Everyone is throwing it in your throwing it in your face constantly, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Like uh had to take a little burp break in the middle there. Sometimes uh, it happens. Uh, <laughs> you could have just let her fly too if you had to. That's true. The uh, listeners love it. No, you know, like uh if you're if you're feeling down then it's like everybody's wishing you a happy birthday. Sure. And and this year I felt like pretty good about things for nice. the first time in a couple birthdays now cuz 29 it's like oh, I'm almost 30. Yeah. And then 30 it's like oh, I'm yeah. 30. I had the 31 this year. <laughs> Oof. And then 31 is rough too because like not only am I 30, I'm into my 30s. <laughs> yeah. And if I could add on here, people, you know, they're listening at home, they're hearing in their ears, like, yeah, my my 30, my 30th, you know, I had to come to terms with all things. I, no, no offense, but no, you did because you weren't 30 and doing a professional wrestling podcast. This is, <laughs> that is a totally different tier of coming to grips with your age. With, yeah, and how uh, juvenile your pursuits are at times, I suppose. No, at 32, though, I was feeling like, you know, because what, like, the biggest issue with, 
having a birthday at this age is like you just feel old and unaccomplished. Yeah. Mostly. That's kind of where I've been at the for the bat- last like seven birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> From 25 forward, you're like, I really thought this would be different. <laughs> Nothing seems to be happening for yeah. me on quite the schedule I was expecting. <laughs> Maybe 33. <laughs> yeah. But, but this year, like, I don't know. I, I'm not where I want to be still, but I do feel like I'm on a good track. And uh, like, Maybe it's just the fact that I launched, you know, Central. Yeah, on of course. Two, Central. Two weeks ago that I like, you know, when you push that rock up a hill for, for as long as I did, it's it like feels like a massive accomplishment to get it done. So sure. I kind of do feel some sense of accomplishment. And, uh, you know, you, you I know you don't want to take any credit for that, but you can share in that in that grind as I well. I do not. Um, so, so yeah, I felt like pretty good about myself for the first time on my birthday for hey. the longest time. But then the, the flip side of it was like, because I felt good about myself, I felt like I got like no attention for my birthday. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what, what do you mean? I know, I know. Like, I'm, there's tons of people who wish me happy birthday and that's yeah. very sweet. But, you know, it's like the, when, when you don't want it, you yeah. feel the glare of it. And yes. when you do want it, it's like, oh, it's yeah. never enough. I get what you mean, man. Well, happy birthday birthday from me to you but there is a second thing we have to touch on jmo which is we're back in our classic studio we are for the first time and i feel like a, a not of the longest time but it's been a little no. while yeah we did uh i think the wrestlemania house party here maybe yes something like that but we are in studio beard how five today the home of the first episode of top marks the home of uh me, as it is where I live. But uh, Madman, you there was there was I don't think I'm uh, I don't think I'm crazy in saying there was so much in the world of wrestling this week. Almost too much. Too much. And it's weird in that like, doesn't it feel like forever ago now? Like Dude. <laughs> I feel like I spent almost every waking hour of this weekend <laughs> watching or talking about wrestling. And you probably missed some still. And, and I still yeah, I didn't I haven't seen the final hour of Evolve one thirty one. Yep. I didn't see any of Fight for the Fallen as of yet. Right. Uh, but I did hear that there were a bunch of technical issues with that show. Um, and yeah, like, it's just... Even Raw and SmackDown, which I thought were both, you know, fine to, to good. Yep. SmackDown was good. Raw was fine. Uh, like, I can't, if you asked me to do, like, a summary of what happened on the TV this week, I'm like, I don't know. Too much. My <laughs> brain is mush. Like, I can't. It's coming out your nose right now. Yeah, <laughs> mentally, I've tapped out. I can't go any further. No, you're, you're saying it, and you're sort of laughing, but I, I want your honest take here. Is there such a thing as too much wrestling? Are there some companies that are going to struggle if they're running in such a busy weekend? Now, before we touch on that, I shouldn't even ask the question. This weekend, just to tell everybody what there was going on, of course, WWE Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. You and I attended our local Indies Big Show of the Year. Biggest uh, show of the year. That's right, Ballroom Brawl 12. Evolve had their uh, 20 10th, or, anniversary. 10th anniversary show. Uh, Raw and SmackDown happened, and AEW's Fight for the Fallen. Um, yeah. Am I missing anything? The G1. And, right, two nights of G1 between Friday and, or between Thursday and Sunday, I guess. Yes, and, um... It is it is too much. Like I do I would say for for depends on the weekend, right? Like for WrestleMania weekend, we go into that weekend expecting too much. Almost and looking forward to the gratuitousness. Exactly. Like it's a, the whole thing is a celebration of wrestling and it's a once a year thing and that's fine and good and, and I we all have a good time. But like for a random weekend in the middle of July no, this this is not this is not a, a good amount of wrestling. Like, uh, 
it's hard to even dwell on how good or bad something was when you're just going on to the next. And for me, and I, I think you probably share this with me, live really is just better for me with wrestling. Like, when I'm watching things on delay, I still enjoy them, obviously, and get a great deal of enjoyment out of it. I don't watch any of the G1 live, for instance. Yeah. But the, I do like having, you know, a show to look forward to, and you order in the food, and you, you pick up some drinks, and you sit down, and there's a live show happening. That's all part of, of me enjoying wrestling. And when it feels like I'm just going, like, Sunday, I'm just going from show to show to show to show catching up. Oh, yeah. It definitely does bleed together, and it's hard to sort of, you know, uh, articulate exactly the, the good and bad points. But we will do it to but, the best of our ability. Dude, like, I had to be on the radio at 10 p.m. on Sunday night. Yeah. Which, mean, which meant, like, I crammed all night Saturday and, like, spent, you know, five hours watching Extreme Rules. That's the other thing. WWE pay-per-views on a B-show... Like, you called this from the get-go. What so was this? So praise be to the brain genius. Hey! I was, what did I just say? Who knew from the beginning that the end of split brand pay-per-views was, like, the worst thing possible. <laughs> I did hate it. Because, like, <laughs> fuck, like, I've come to grips with the fact that a WrestleMania is going to be seven hours long. Mm-hmm. A SummerSlam is going to be six hours long. Yep. You know, we, we don't necessarily like it. We, we might complain about it even then, but we have accepted that. Yes. What I cannot accept is that it's just the monthly standard that every pay-per-view forever is going to be five fucking hours. <sighs> well, and the problem is, and not only do I agree with you, of course, but it's something we have talked about and it's still totally the truth, but I think particularly with Extreme Rules, if you want to apply that rule, if you take the best five matches on Extreme Rules, and I did think there was some very good wrestling so on this I. show. So do I, absolutely. And you put that into a two, two and a half, three hour broadcast, you might, we might really be buzzing about this show today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, like, even by the time that show ended, I'm not going to say I forgot about how great Aleister Black and Cesaro was. But it doesn't stand out in your mind anymore. No, somebody has to bring it up. And I'm like, right, I was really liking that match. But so much happened after it. And and even, like, the matches that were just good, like, for example, like, the Usos versus The Revival was good, but it wasn't great. And, like, Kofi versus Joe was good, but it wasn't great. And why is that? Because they didn't have the time that they needed to take that storytelling to another level. So there's only a select number of matches per show that can get the time that is required to tell an epic story in the ring, and the other ones just get shunted to being good. So less matches, more time is maybe the the winning formula, at least for us. Just two pay-per-views, man. I would rather do two two and a half or three hour shows a month than one five oh. hour show oh i mean that that's not even close to me i'd prefer the two two and a half hours by i, I think my love of wrestling mm-hmm. would go up if that was the case generally and there were times during brand split pay-per-views where you know a smackdown show might end early it might Tons. go off the air after two and a half hours and that's fine uh, imagine like being left wanting more in wrestling something we never get certainly I, with wwe i kept thinking on sunday night like oh well surely you know this can't this can't go for five hours can it like they're definitely gonna end before eight o'clock and they didn't they son of a guns made you <laughs> stick around for the whole damn thing yeah i wanted to duck out and get dinner at some point so i could <laughs> eat before i had to record my show and i was not able to do that at all but yeah so like that's a problem but also another problem is like AEW, I don't know that they knew 
or cared about WWE's schedule this weekend. Obviously, they were surprised at the decision to run the Evolve show on the network. Right. And felt like that was a shot at them, which it very clearly was. Yeah, of course. Um, but, but also, like, you just can't. You can't. You cannot have an AEW show run the Saturday of a WWE weekend, unless it's like WrestleMania weekend. Yes. In which case, I welcome that competition. You're trying to draw on the same people who are all in the same city, I would imagine, if you're going to run something in the same kind of vicinity. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was too much but, this week. And I think that's, like, you and I both big AEW fans. Yeah, oh, for sure. Did either of us watch Fight for the Fallen? No. Yeah. No. In fact, it was probably the least of my priorities of all the matches, I, or rather of all the cards that I listed out the gate of the show. I was more interested in that Evolve show. Yeah, because also it's coming two weeks after their previous show. Well, th- this was my chief point, because I, I sort of, and I was hesitant about AEW running Saturdays before, but I think there maybe can be a place for it. If AEW does a big show on the Saturday when mm-hmm. WWE is running a smaller show on the Sunday... But when it's, to, to me at least, I, Fight for the Fallen didn't feel must-watch, especially only two weeks later. But it is sad that we're already at a point where, if you think about this time a couple months ago, a Kenny Omega singles match on a pay-per-view is probably something we're both going out of our way to catch. And it, for, by all accounts, it was fantastic. He wrestled Shima. I've heard great things about it. Everything I heard about the match was was that it's good. But but like you say, and you can sort of understand how AEW would think, like, oh, wrestling's going to be in the, the general dialogue of that weekend. Maybe it's good social media will be talking about wrestling maybe we'll we'll latch on to some of that but it just doesn't manifest that way for me it manifests as and, and again maybe our experience isn't the best because we were at a live wrestling yeah, show we Saturday had, we night had our local indie super show of the year as well uh, so but but it just I, I just don't think it's going to benefit them to run the Saturdays before a big WWE show. I do agree that probably people who are not in Vancouver watched one and then watched the other afterwards. Sure. Because like, I came home from uh, Ballroom Brawl and I watched Evolve 131. Do you think that they watched Evolve and Fight for the Fallen on the same night? Most people... Probably not, but shit-eating wild men like you and I, absolutely. <laughs> you know I out here salute the fellow <laughs> shit-eating wild men. Game-recognized game. Recognized game. <laughs> that's absolutely right. <laughs> but but So that's what I have to say about the too much. I, I would like a little bit of build, a little bit of focus, so that I can come and hit the mics here and having seen everything. But I did do my damnedest. Boy, I got some things to say about the G1, JMO. But first... We've got some news and notes from the weeks to jump we into. We do, yeah, because not only was there plenty of stuff going on uh, in the ring and plenty of stuff to watch, but lots of news breaking this week, too. Can we start with my favorite piece of it, or at least my favorite to discuss? This is a topic that I think everyone else is burnt out on, and yet here I am, glug, 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 drinking it up, as one CM Punk is announced to be headlining, whatever that means, StarCast 3, the sort of fan expo AEW experience that goes the night before it's All like Out. like a live podcasting festival, sort of. Yeah. Like it's just a bunch of interviews and panels and whatnot. That's right. and I, like Typical convention, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I didn't go to uh, StarCast when I was in Chicago because, it, you know, I don't, I don't fly to Chicago to sit in a convention center for three days straight. Yeah, these things don't have the hugest amount of appeal for me. Now, CM Punk being at it definitely would add some appeal to me. But in general, it's just not my space. A couple questions on this. Are you surprised that CM Punk, not that StarCast is tied to AEW, because mm-hmm. they've made it very clear that they're not, but there's obviously a working relationship. Definitely. Are you surprised at all that CM Punk is not only at StarCast, but is on the front of all of the advertising? He's the headliner. He's going to be doing a one-on-one interview on stage, all these sort of things. Are you surprised at all? Not really. It's in Chicago, so mm-hmm. they're probably wanting to draw. Because I'm sure, like, I'm, I'm sure that they discovered a similar thing to my experience last time, which is that like the people who are flying in for this 
probably do not want to fly in and spend all of their time there. I'd never been to Chicago before. If I'm only there for like six days, you think I'm going to spend four of them in a convention center? That's fucking crazy. Absolutely Wrong. not. Uh, there's no way I'm going to do that. You're going to be eating the, 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 the local eats, yeah, yeah. The, the local drinks, seeing some, the local people. Eat some Italian beef. That's eat damn some right. Vienna hot dogs. That's damn right. Absolutely. This guy understands it. I'm a man who only goes to places to eat things. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm right. I fully understand. So you need something that's probably going to draw in more of the locals than what you did last year. Yes. And and for Chicago and like this makes perfect sense. And also for CM Punk, man, like you know, I'm sure he was smart with his money and and put a lot of it away and you know, was living in the same house that he bought back then or whatever, but yep. like you got to make Skrill somehow, and, yeah. and like you can only write so many Marvel comics, and I don't think the commentating for CFFC is paying a great deal to him. Exactly. It, can I say I am quite surprised? It's not like he ever got a winner's purse from uh, <laughs> UFC. I, you're kidding yourself. You think CM Punk signed a win and show bonus <laughs> contract? Um, I, I gotta tell you, Mad Man, I am. Not only surprised, quite surprised by this. Really? Yeah, because I feel like, and maybe this is me buying into too much of the, you know, what the, the kids are saying online, but I feel like Punk has sort of a an antagonistic relationship to pro wrestling. And when it sort of floated in front of him, he's quick to sort of bat it away in a way. And this is not not only touching the world of pro wrestling. I mean, it's both feet in, in a way. Like, this is, it's not wrestling. Like, he's not going in ring. But if I told you CM Punk was ring announcing for somewhere or doing commentary for somewhere that might be a bigger deal than this but not like head and shoulders like this feels like a a big step from zero i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i mean it's it's a reintegration because yes. we all want to see is cm punk in AEW, oh, right my. well i don't know if that's what i want to see okay there's a part of me that and spare me the sinclair broadcasting stuff they're all evil there's some part of me that wants cm punk to go back and save the independent that made him and not that ring of honor is independent anymore but like ring of honor made him and is on hard times i think the ultimate redemption story for a guy who turned his back on pro wrestling is like all right ring of honor i got you and like rebuilding that company well, that's what, my dream well what if he does that but with the financial backing of like tony khan Wow, and, and they buy Ring of Honor away from Sinclair, wow. and that's like they've got their Raw SmackDown brand split. Yes, I. How rich is Tony Khan? Make it happen. <laughs> that's richer than Vince. He can do it. Can he buy CM Punk? <laughs> that's what I'm gonna need. But everybody has a price. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Thank you, Ted. Uh, but it's. I don't know. I, I was surprised when I saw this news. And again, part of that is the branding. But you're right. The Chicago tie-in is obviously something that is near and dear to his heart. But I thought this was interesting. And I'm not going to say this is the door reopening to him doing pro wrestling. But it was nice to see him not just be like... You, you think of all the quote tweets when people ask him. Like, oh, are you going to go to AEW? And he's always so dismissive and almost needlessly harsh, I would say. And this is not that. Well, he's also got some legal bills to pay for. Oh, that's... We... Have discovered that's the that's the root of the dissolution of the friendship between him and Colt. It's just two two the the legal bills and lawyers uh, were too costly, and it just sucks that Colt Cabana is obviously such a bad guy. You know, like that's <laughs> I just don't know. I thought he was this good. I watched the rest like Road Diaries. He seems like a good person. <laughs> he, he is. You're just a CM Punk mark. Right. Guilty as charged. There goes my switch. Um, it's but so I thought that this was. Very interesting, but I'm curious to know if they sell more tickets based off it. Because you remember last year was The Undertaker, and yeah. he didn't end up going. But That, that was for two, though, right? I believe yes. that was for the weekend of Double or Nothing was Taker was signed. Right, for correct. Yeah. Uh, 
earlier this year, and that yes, he did not end up going, and I don't know if that was a success or failure. I, I like again, I don't want to spend my entire weekend surrounded by <laughs> stinky <laughs> wrestling fans who do not know how to bathe themselves. Well, you're gonna hate Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just my opinion. But like, I don't know. I don't mean to be cruel or whatever. I'm sure there's plenty of cool people that go to these things. Not but, us. But but yes, it's like. You know, we're going to Toronto. We we got people to see. Yes. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Jamo, also, this, it's not for me. Also in the news and notes, uh, did you see this morning that the, the WWE is, I mean, I don't know what you call these things. Smash, Smackville, I think it's called. Smackville, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're broadcasting a house show. From Nashville. From Nashville. Which is also known as Smashville. Okay. So they're co-opting the Smashville branding and calling it Smackville Live. I mean, first of all, the name needs a lot of help. That's just one man's opinion. Yes. <laughs> that name needs a Smackville. I had to explain the steps to how we get there, which means <laughs> yeah, it's not a good name. That's absolutely true, and I'm not even still sure I still understand. Wow, um, I really nailed that sentence. Yeah, it's it's a televised house show, essentially. You nailed it. There's going to be a triple threat for the WWE title, Kofi Kingston taking on Dolph Ziggler and Samoa Joe. The last two guys to lose to him. And an IC title rematch between uh, Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura. So um, I don't know if they're just doing this because they want to squeeze in that Nak-Balor match yep. uh, and and get something out of it before... Because Finn Balor's like, going to take a sabbatical. After yeah, I saw time. that. Asked for time off. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, just, he's getting married as well. So oh, I think what? he wants to take some time. Is to, he married uh, to a wrestler or engaged no, to a he's, he's married to that, uh, that uh, Spanish football uh, interviewer. Oh, do you remember that there was that video of him being very cute with that woman? No, I don't think I saw that. Okay, well, they, they're engaged. Ah, so. well, congrats to that. Yeah, I think he wants to take some time and enjoy that and, and just, you know, not be on the road for a little bit. And, look, this is important. This is this is something that you and I have talked about a lot before. If you're not going to take an off season, if you're not going to ever shut down your product for months on end, then you do need to give guys staggered breaks. Yep. And Randy Orton has taken this before, like – Dudes are just on the road for too long. Mentally and physically, you need time off. Yeah, well, totally. And, and I think it can be helpful to guys. Like The reintroduction gives you like a bit of a fresh slate as well. Absolutely. That's worth, that's worth something as well. Like, I think it sucks that we know this already, right. that it's leaked, because now we all kind of figure we're getting Bray the Fiend versus Finn the Demon. And the at, Fiend's going to do something gnarly to and, him. And the Demon is going to lose. Good. Yeah, I think I, it's good too. If it's, if you have to give, think of the streak, okay? It's like, oh, give it to Brock, which I think I've been very vocal on the show. I just don't think it's a good decision. Yeah, you're, you're very gonna, vocal about it, never giving anything to Brock. <laughs> that's, let me tell you, just you wait till we review Extreme Rules. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, listen, I can't think. If you were going to write Finn Balor off TV and you said, Josh, who who do you want? Who do you want to get the push of writing somebody off TV? Boy, what an introduction for for the Fiend or Bray Wyatt or whatever we're going to call him. Yeah, and you know what? I've seen so much complaining this week or people thinking they're being so funny. I'm so clever that I figured this out. That Please don't do this impression of that, me. That, <laughs> now that Extreme Rules is behind us, we are looking at exactly where we were two and a half years ago. Oh, now, why do you hate that? <laughs> why do I hate that that's a... That that feels like a very legitimate point to me. But the New Day are still as fresh as they were then. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're just finding these coincidences. You're gonna complain about the AJ Styles Club versus Ricochet program? Absolutely not. No, of course not. Yeah, you're gonna I love complain it. about the New Day thing? 
No. No, of course not. But hang on, what, how does Ricochet versus AJ in the club play into this? That, that, that was not happening two a- years ago. AJ was the US, US champion two years ago. Yeah, sure, but we're talking about the exact same feud, the exact same position yeah, as then, Seth and, and Brock. The, and then at the same time, it's... Uh, <laughs> no, that was... Seth wasn't in the picture then. That was Roman. That was when Ro- when that, Taker interrupts? That was Roman and Brock. Two, when you go back two and a half years to Brock being the champion, that's yeah. a Roman feud. Okay. Um, but then the other one is Finn versus Bray, and people put up that photo of I you know the, the the Sister Abigail, <laughs> you know, whatever that was, the, Veil. The, the pump, I don't even know what you pump, call it. Pumpkin Man versus <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> oh, but like... I think it's good. If like I actually think there is some kind of perfect poetry to this idea that this perfect feud that's going to relaunch Bray Wyatt is the same one that killed him. Yeah, that's like, interesting. I'm I don't think that's something to complain about. I actually think that's excellent. Well, and they're a good pairing. I think people were more using it as a vessel to shit on Brock and Rollins, and then also look at like holy these shit, four other things, these, these other things that are going on. But but I understand your point. Right, let me be clear. I'm not a Balor guy. I think this is even without the writing off TV. I think it's a perfect feud for Bray to re-enter to Supernatural versus Supernatural. I hope they continue Black winning until then, and Bray can move on from Balor to Black. And I think that can be its own little world of like the quasi super natural i'm into it man and well let's transition right into talking about the fiends debut this week or i should say on sc- or in ring de- not even in ring in arena debut yeah <laughs> um, well, he was in the ring he did a, a move yeah that's true he hit the sister abby yeah. uh so what did you think of this debut it was the best thing that happened on tv my this week. goodness wow it's uh, okay so before we both just because i get the sense we both probably 10 out of 10 it just think it's incredible yeah, it was awesome do you think he should have used a different finisher here? This is the one wrinkle I've heard in it. Would you have liked to have seen The Fiend debut a new finisher here? Or do we need to know that it's Bray Wyatt and the Sister Abigail lets you know that? I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I like Sister Abigail as a move. It's a good finisher. Uh, I think it's a very good finisher. And, I, and like, <laughs> what we've always said that Bray Wyatt is so good at so many things, right? Yeah. Like, that he is just unappreciated for everything that he brings to the table. And in that way, like... Do I want him to see to see him roll out an entirely new move set for this new character? Not entirely, no, right. because his move set before was good. He's a good ring worker. He's good on the mic. Like he can do everything. He just needed a new coat of paint so that people would take him seriously. Again. Right. So to me, like, yeah, I like. I don't need this clean break from the old Bray. The, like the old Bray wasn't entirely broken to me. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, <laughs> did you mean to do that? I did. Tremendous. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you what what is so well done about this to me. Sure. So don't get me wrong. The spotlights, not really being able to get a clear shot of him initially. All that's really good. The sounds. All that. Tremendous. The, the light that shutting the off. Best. All of that. Tremendous. I love that we don't know what his entrance is. We don't know how he moves. Like, we, we answered very few questions about we knew what he looked like already mm-hmm. as the fiend and I, I like that it was it was enough to be like oh he's here now but enough to be like wow so what is this is is bray wyatt still the guy wearing the mr rogers sweater in firefly funhouse is this a character still or is he only the fiend like all of this is interesting to me and i'm just gonna wrap it back up with the finisher yeah i guess we never are gonna we don't know yet if that friendly version of Bray is Firefly Funhouse only. And every time he's outside the Funhouse, it's, you know, Fiend. Or is it Dude Love Mankind Cactus, where there's these different things? Because I don't mind the Sister Abigail as a finisher if the Fiend is his character and that's how he wrestles. But the idea doing, like, a a Dude Love Mankind thing where they have different finishers, the Mm -hmm. Sweet Shin music and the Sako, or Mandible Claw, Claw, rather, 
I would love the Fiend to use a different finisher than Bray Wyatt if that is the case. I don't have a problem with yeah. Sister Abigail, but but only if they are the same character. If the Fiend is a different character, I would love to see like a strike finisher it's, out of him. It's or, true. It depends on if we get like sweater vest Bray as an in-ring worker who's like a distinctly different. That is a good point. Yes, and I had not really considered that. So thank you for bringing that. Well, up. but but I think that's what's so good about this angle is like there. It's it's just so many questions still. And is the theme going to be the Firefly Funhouse theme? Like there's there's things. Because there's a great Titantron available if he oh, wants to do. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, but I'm like the. Th I thought the biggest thing for me was we've seen the mask before. Yeah. But we've seen it in very selective ways. Yes. We've seen it in in like pre-shot, packaged up things that had studio lighting. Yeah. And when you take things like that and you put them in the bright lights of an arena, doesn't always. It, no, it doesn't always work. Like, they, they clearly, like, we said this at the time, or I said this, like, two months ago, that, like, you know, they have experience making masks look good. Yeah, of course. Like, Kane. Mankind. For, like, the first two and a half, three years of Kane looked consistently awesome before they made the move to, like, switch up the look a little bit yeah. and it got away from, I think, looking as scary as it had in the past. But that's neither here nor there. Like, they have experience making these things look good. I thought it actually looked even better yep. than it had in, in video because you got to see it in motion and, yep. like... It is genuinely frightening. Oh, for sure. And, and not to get too detailed here, but something you didn't see in the videos that you did see on Raw is the way that it's attached to him are like these two straps on either side. Mm -hmm. And it looks like he's like being harnessed or like it's he's deranged. I just, I, I couldn't agree more. It looked fantastic. Now, was it the same mask? Somebody pointed out to me there were like slight changes from the one the on Firefly Funhouse. The mouth looked different. Was that it? Okay. Uh, either in way. In like a scarier way. Like it had like, like... You know, the alien thing of, like, mouth within a mouth. I mean, everything about it. So far, everything with Firefly Funhouse to now, they took a little bit too long between Firefly Funhouse and debuting them, in my opinion. I think you need that break to want it. And sure. Not, and not feel it coming. There's a similar thing that's going on right now with, you know, Bailey and Sasha, where yeah. I feel like they've spent two weeks setting up these angles that feel like teases for Sasha's return and then not giving it to us to kind of like trick you into thinking it's coming and then you don't suddenly you don't know anymore. Right. And then when it does happen, it's this unexpected oh shit moment. Will that feel gigantic for you Sasha returning? Depends how they do it. Right. Like I think if I think if she had come back with the two angles that they've run over the last week both in terms of like Bailey, who's your opponent for SummerSlam? And like, you know, Nikki telling her to find a friend or whatever. Yeah. I, that's almost too telegraphed, you know? Yep. Oh, it's too obvious. It wouldn't feel like a big moment because it would be like, well, duh. <laughs> yeah. You, you need it yeah. to be impactful. And, I, yeah, I think when – I think sh they – I don't know that they know what they're going to do because I don't know that they know when she's coming back. I, I um, would love to see Sasha Banks wrestle again. I, I guess maybe Bailey is something that I'm just not that into. And so it's like I don't necessarily want Sasha coming back. And I know that it is She'll what's going to happen. She'll be on Raw. I know it's what's going to happen. They'll be on different shows. I, I really would like Sasha just – I don't think it has to be tricky. Like, sometimes the obvious thing is good. Just, she's back. Whoever has the title on whatever brand, we have Sasha in a title program. Let's go. Yeah. Like, and what I want is heel Sasha versus face Becky. That's, is, that, is that so hard? No. That's that, the easiest thing to do, and it would be fucking fantastic. It's probably the best women's feud you can put together right now. Absolutely. Am I, am I wrong in saying that? Um, Like, in so much as that, like – 
Becky Charlotte is done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I would be all in on on like you say with those alignments as well. But now, I I also feel like this is completely side topic. That's here. all right. And we got a, a number of different news items to touch on, but. One of their big projects over the next little while, heading into the uh, the first uh, Fox SmackDown, which I think is in September or yep. October, has to be redefining. And like, I think they did a good job in terms of the opening segment of this week's SmackDown. Who is on which shows? Yeah, like oh. like the line. If okay, if you're gonna continue doing this wild card stuff, that's fine. Oh. But they they over the last month have wild carded so much that it that it feels like there's no delineation between either show at all. We got a SmackDown this week that was focused on the issues of the quote-unquote SmackDown roster, which was a nice way to give people TV time, the same people that Kevin Owens complained about in his promo the week before. The man. But also, like, you just need a visual reminder of, like, what the fuck show is anyone even on? I honestly don't know for, like, half the people anymore. Well, and again, consider you and I, right? People who follow this product about as closely as you're going to. I bet you, you know, it's like, okay, Josh, Justin, write out the rosters. We could probably do it. But if you were somebody trying to, like, get into WWE, and because they don't even bring up the wild card on every episode, for the record. People are just appearing now. Mm-hmm. If you had somebody, like, getting into Cesaro WWE. brought it up by name, and it was so uh, weird it's, this week. It's like, I'm here on wild card. Yeah. Give me Aleister yeah. Black. Thank you, Cesaro. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like, it, these people are probably like, what, who? Like, if you told them there wasn't a brand split, they, they would have no idea. I, I'm very, I'm still very anti-wildcard rule here. And especially flying in the face of the no-B pay-per-views. It's just like, okay, the top guys are the top guys on both shows, and that's who's going to get the time. It, and again, I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know, but yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, because like, like, even this like Owens-Shane thing, which feels like it should be entirely contained to SmackDown. Yes. It's popping up on Raw, too. Like, it doesn't... It's madness. Yeah. You talk, You brought up Fox there. Uh, big rumor this week that uh, Fox may have interest, and WWE wants this as well, to show NXT on Thursdays or Wednesdays opposite AEW's show, whatever it's going to be called. Yeah, that's not the only Fox-related rumor of the week. Okay, well, let's, let's do this yes. one, and then you, because I don't know this other one, so fill me in. Let's talk about a couple things. NXT on Fox, you in or out? <sighs> Kind of out. Yeah. I like the the Out. Yeah. The, commercials? Like, no, commercials are gonna they already take breaks during the show. Yeah. Um but like you know, part of the charm of NXT is that it's a network thing and you don't have to suffer through all of the problems with televised products. Right. Yeah, no, I, I really don't like that. Uh, though maybe it does bode well for AEW that I think that helps AEW, the two shows on the one night. I think you get, like, a WCW thing. I Like, I just don't think people are watching television in, like, a linear way anymore. I think it's it's as likely that they'll both get PVR'd, and whoever gets live viewers might be different, but... And honestly, if you want uh, a show to put on opposite from the network, the show to do it is 205 yeah, Live, I, man. My exact next that's, point. That's the show that has people that you know who they are on it. That like half the roster is from the main roster. You know, a bunch of the 205 guys are showing up on SmackDown right now, anyways. Well, let me go even a step further. It gives you a reason to build guys on 205 Live. Exactly. A, a guy like a, a Chad Gable who had an unbelievable performance this week, or even a Finn Balor taking some time off. Imagine him returning to a debuting Fox 205 Live. Yeah, like, that could be huge. Like you could make these feel way more important. And then guys jump back and forth between 205 and SmackDown, and like, boom, you got two nights in a row of rest. 
wrestling where you own the whole thing if you're Fox and you feel great about it. Give the good friends the book. 100%. Who could ever deny it? What's this other Fox rumor? <laughs> well, the other Fox rumor is about who has the book. Oh. Because apparently it's not going to be Eric Bischoff. Bisch- oh. Bischoff is coming in to basically organizationally oversee the entire SmackDown operation, but he's not going to have much say as far as creative control, well, which good. I think is the perfect thing yeah. that you and I wanted to hear because... Yeah, if he's network liaison slash on-screen character, that's great. Yeah, because right now, organizationally, SmackDown only has its head writer, Ryan Ward, and and like I'm sure there's other people on that writing staff, but those guys are all pitching directly to Vince, and there's no power structure beyond that. Like, yeah. Road Dog was that guy, and he couldn't take it anymore, and he's out. Yeah. So, like, to just have a buffer layer, maybe it's bad to have a, a layer of between the writers and Vince. I don't know. But, like, it seems like the whole reason why they've done this organizational change is to make a serious change to the presentation of the on-screen product. Yeah. And, like, I trust Ryan Ward. NXT was great when he was writing it. SmackDown has been great the entire time he's been writing it. Like I, if I want that guy to have creative say, I want the creative control of SmackDown to stay with the person who's made it a good show consistently for the better part of the last, you know, three or four years now. Probably three years, I think, yeah, at this point. Yeah. But was the brand the, the like rebrand? Was that three years ago? Gotta be. I'm pretty sure. Please just shoot me in the head. Just course, get yeah. me out of here. But that I, was three uh, years yeah, ago. I turned 32 yesterday. Oh my good lord! You think uh, you feel old? Wait till you hit the the old 3-2, bud. Well, I mean, eventually I'm going to be older than you, and that's, you know, then that'll well, yeah. turn this... Yeah, when I die and you continue <laughs> to age, then you'll be older than me. I just met my gray hair. <laughs> uh, Madman, we got to talk a little G1. We got to review Extreme Rules, but yeah. first, what we got to do is keep it or kick it. Which means it's time to hit the music. Man, man, I know you know the rules, but for those who may not, Keep It or Kick It is a segment where I, Josh Custodio, write out 15 to 20 to 25 items from the wrestling world, just musings, whatever sort of topics I feel like might be interesting, and I ask Madman Morissette if he wants to keep the item, which means he likes it, he loves it, he wants some more of it, or he wants to kick the topic, which means he hates it, he despises it, he never wants to see it again. Do you still remember the rules, Justin? I w- would never forget that. <laughs> that, that makes I'll be me on happy. my deathbed, and my grandparents will, or my, yeah, my grandparents will be there at my deathbed. That's how it works. And they'll say, That's... come to heaven, boy, it's yeah. time for you to go. It's like but, a Lord of the Rings. But my grandchildren will also be there, and they'll say, Ah, oh, Pappy, what was life like back in the early 2000s? And I'll say, Oh, do you remember the rules? <laughs> keep it we used to keep and kick everything. Oh, if I like it, then I want to keep it, which means I like it and love it and want some more of it. But if I hate it... Yes, Grandpa! What if you hate it? <laughs> then I want to kick it, which means get it the hell out of here. Does it mean you hate it, despise it, and never want to see it again? Yes, little Timmy. Do you remember the rules? No! <laughs> well, I'm not going over them again. Because <laughs> it's time to get on with the podcast. Madman, keep it or kick it. The tag team of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Keep it for sure. It feels like a natural pairing. It is a good pairing, and also, like, AEW needs to get creative in terms of mixing guys up and finding some tag teams to round out their tag division that you can also use as singles in the, if need be, right? Like, yep. the, the company needs to be 
versatile in the way that it books all of its different divisions. And if you only have one singles title, which I think is a good move at this stage. Yes, I agree with then that. Then load up some different tag teams. Like, I like Jungle Boy in the ring. I think he's got, like, potential as a singles guy, especially, you know, against other smaller guys who can move and work. Yep. But that tag scene needs more teams, and these two guys are an enticing pairing for sure. Chad Gable's new haircut. Um... He looks like a stud, man. I feel like he looks a little generic. Yeah. Well, not a little generic. I like Chad Gable. I like the long hair better. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it is it is kind of weird to see somebody that you, oh, you're accustomed to seeing one way. Yeah. Like a haircut. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I like Chad Gable either way. I just like Chad Gable in the ring. So if this is how he needs to look to get a push, and, you know, granted that push is on 205 Live, but it's a push nonetheless, I'm all in. Let's do it. Otis turning on Tucker being hot-shotted immediately into the title program at SummerSlam and being the one to retire Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I mean... Keep it or kick it. This is this is based off of my own tweet on the Top Marks account. What did you say? Otis is the, needs to be the one to retire Brock. <laughs> I didn't see and, that. And then, when, and then when Brock won the title at the end of the night, I added a reply that was like, tomorrow if possible. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, no, I yes, I would say... I'd say keep keep that. Otis Otis is a star, man. Sky's the limit for Otis. Absolutely. Hangman Page becoming the inaugural AEW Heavyweight Champion. It's a tricky one, right? Here, pin dropping. Here. Yeah, here. Uh, you want me to to uh, fill some time here? Hangman. <laughs> Come on, Hangman. Um, What's Hangman Page? Doesn't feel like the right time. I, I, I like Hangman. I don't want to say no as like a knock on him, but no, it's not. It's not right. I'll say kick it. The Fiend entering to Bray Wyatt's old theme. So the doom, 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 doom. I love that theme song. Theme. I would hate for it to go away, but it's not right for this new version. So I'll say kick or keep that. No, kick, kick it. it. Yeah. Kick it. Not only, and I know this is, keep it, I'm not supposed to weigh in too much on keep it or kick it, but this Bray Wyatt thing has got me really fired up. You truly could have the three faces of Wyatt if you don't use that theme. You could have Rogers Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, and then years down the road like he did, like Mick did with Cactus, you could bring back Wyatt family Bray Wyatt and that theme plays. And I think that Hell could be yeah. a massive moment. So Absolutely. I'm with you. Kazuchika Okada winning the 2019 G1 Climax Tournament. I would love to see it. Yeah, like not now, but certainly like three, four years from now. Bray is like outmanned, outgunned. He's in trouble. He needs help. And just bring the family back for Come like on. a one night only. People would go fucking insane for it. You want a gold star? You want a gold star? You want the Josh Custodio touch? You want the sizzle on the steak? It's not just Harper and Rowan. Braun is there too. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Kazuchika Okada winning the 2019 G1. Um, I can s It's definitely a possibility. I think that's one of the more intriguing storytelling options for them is for him to win it and then pick his own opponent. I don't know if it's the best thing, though. Um, I don't know who I want to win, though. Like, yeah. Abushi is very compelling. I just think the way that they're booking Kenta is fucking incredible right now, too. But, yeah, I mean, of the of the options, I'll say keep it. Sure, why not? Rhino being used in Impact Wrestling in 2019. Now, folks, this is not a hypothetical. This happened. This <laughs> is happening. Rhino broke contract to appear at Slammiversary uh, 10 days before his deal expired, <laughs> uh, which ve very baffling way... <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm Whoa. under contract with WWE. It doesn't expire for another two weeks. What am I going to do? I'm going to uh, appear on Impact Wrestling's <laughs> second biggest show of the year. 
<laughs> strange. And be booked immediately into a feud with Michael Elgin, of all people. I, I like Rhino, but I'm still going to say kick it. Who is this more perplexing for? Impact or Rhino? <laughs> who wants who here? Yeah. What does one even offer the other? Rhino's already had like a semi-respectable TNA career. Like, what, what's it going to go now? I don't know, though, man. It is b bizarre how quickly Impact seems to burn through people. Yeah. Like apparently, <laughs> apparently uh, Morrison is already done there now. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, which he might re-sign still. His oh, really? deal expired, but it doesn't mean that he is, uh, is okay. done completely. But, like, you think about They bring these guys in, and then, like, you know, how, lo how long did Austin Aries last there? Not not long. I mean, how long does Austin Aries last places? That's, but I that's mean, true, yeah. Regardless, toxic-ass place. Evolve using WWE NXT talent regularly. Keep it. It's good. Uh, it puts a it puts a spotlight because what you need to start looking at Evolve as is the ECHL of yeah. of WWE. It is the NXT to NXT. Evolve leads to NXT leads to main roster. Yeah, which means Evolve is important and Evolve should get more shine than it gets. I really liked, honestly, having it uh, on the network this week. I yep. thought the show was, like, pretty damn good. I really enjoyed the women's match. Oh, I didn't watch it. That's Shotzi great, Shotzi Blackheart versus... Uh, oh, I heard it was dope. I saw the one spot with her diving into the chairs. Brandy Lauren, yeah. And, like, Brandy probably tops out as a manager at, okay. at higher levels. Like, I don't think that she's, like... You know, she's not like worse than say like a Carmella or whatever, okay. but she's not better either. Selena Vega here. She's got the look for sure though, and like she basically worked a managerial role in this match. It was a no holds barred thing, and a bunch of people came in and interfered for her. Okay. And she, yeah, she's great. I I think she was great. Shotzi was great. It was a super fun match. It like that and uh, Riddle Gulak, and I heard great things about Cole Tozawa that I haven't seen yet either because I fell asleep before the match show Fair. was over. Uh, those but are the I, only two matches I have seen. Yeah. No, I, I was actually surprised at how much that women's match really stood out to me. I really enjoyed it Yeah, a I might lot. go back and watch it. I, as I was watching, I was sort of like, I don't know why I don't watch more Evolve. Like, I would consider myself a Gabe Sapolsky guy. It's because it's it, not available to you if you don't yeah. have WWN, right? That's true. Yeah, it, if they had, like, a monthly Evolve card that had even... I don't even need pairings of WWE guys on it. Just one one NXT guy, one WWE guy down there on the card somewhere. Like, I, I'm good with that. I, it definitely ups my interest in it. But if NXT is going to leave the network for five sports yeah it's, could that be evolve evolve can fill that spot wow like you need something on the network to keep people staying with the network something weekly yeah uh this one is interesting because this one worked on to, uh keep it or kick it uh i guess as soon as recently as a month ago but it does this week as i ask two out of three falls matches being used on pay-per-views keep it um i know that our concern was a month ago that they were killing two out of three as a stip, yep. the way that they were booking television. You know what? The most important thing that I do remember about TV this week, Josh? Yes. We got commercial breaks in the middle of matches. Yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. That's absolutely what I realized, too. <laughs> it, was, oh, yeah. it was fine. Right back to the norm. But, like, good. Yeah. No, I... Uh, you, you said it perfect, like, three weeks ago. You can only come up with as many... Like, there's a finite number of reasons that you can stop a match yeah. every week. And ultimately... <laughs> it, it turns out there's about two weeks worth. But, like, it kills <laughs> the vibe of the live crowd. You know? Oh, yeah. It's important to come back to a crowd that's hot from a match that continued while you were in commercial Of break. course. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Drew Gulak holding the Cruiserweight title for six months or more. Keep it. Yes, absolutely. I think he is the guy to build it around. I think... Uh, 
Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, Daniel Bryan teased a big announcement this week, which didn't happen. A lot of people were expecting it to be he's going to 205 Live. Why the fuck would you do that when 205 Live finally has, like, a killer heel champion? Yeah. It makes, like, he d would not fit there at all I, right now. I saw that. I, I'm so glad. Sometimes you just, you just say it from my brain to your mouth. I mean, that is exactly right. And I saw that floated, too, and was like, what? Like if Chad Gable was the champion on 205 right now, then Make of more sense. course put Daniel Bryan on the show. Why not? Yeah, but don't swallow poor Drew Gulak who's trying to get over. Who has been waiting for three years yeah. Yeah. for this moment. That's three years ago. The Cruiserweight Classic was three years ago. That was three years ago? Yes. Just put a gun in my mouth. I mean, this is three years. And, and you know how I know that? How's that? Because I interviewed TJ Perkins this week on Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. Wow. If you want to hear more Cruiserweight Classic content. In the middle of Keep It or Kick It? You can head on over to sportsnet.ca wow. slash 650. Uh, find the, the podcast version of Wow, I hope they're paying for this Wrestle time. Central. This is and, the uh, segment. I chatted with TJP. It was a good talk. Enjoyed, it is great. I enjoyed talking to him. Um uh, Impact Wrestling. Okay, the idea that Impact Wrestling is still a functioning company, January first, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. So they they need to last another year and a half. That's right. I would not bet against them. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say keep it. You can't kill these no, guys. No, you can't. And honestly, <laughs> they are they are now a Canadian TV company, which means that they get like a subsidiary from the government to use Canadian talent. Yeah. It's why like our friend Ravenous Randy has appeared on Impact yep. in the last year. It's why you know uh, a number of the people that they've brought in to work as like enhancement talents have been Canadian indie people. Um, you know that's going to help keep them afloat for uh, as long. Like, and I'm sure that they make. I don't know how much money they could make off of like selling their content to like India or whatever, but clearly they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think those international TV deals are actually worth quite a bit. I know more about it on the MMA side, but it's worth a lot to the UFC and Bellator. So huh. who knows? Maybe also for uh, for Impact as well. Two more here, Madman. Alistair Black going undefeated until Mania. Not yes. just no pinned. Not just no fall. Or no submission, undefeated. So he's not even gonna have like a bra a brawn moment where he's like counted out or whatever. N well, you maybe a count out for a tie, but no losses. No losses. Double count out, maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Like the he strapped the rocket. Like that match was so fucking good, dude. I, and listen, take nothing away from. Well, you know what? We're gonna do a review anyway. I'll talk about it then. And finally, Madman, Drake Maverick being elevated above the twenty four seven title scene. Above it. U.S. title, he's, IC title. He's finally getting a match on 205 next week. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Mike Canellis. I'll watch that. I predicted a month ago. You're Nicely welcome. done. Uh, thank so, you. Sometimes I know what I'm talking about. I'll say thanks. Very, very rarely. Well, broken clock, you know, <laughs> that's what they say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to rub it in my face about how wrong I was when we get to the main event of Extreme Rules. So I no, I'm not. Victory I will right not. Now. No, I will not. Because I say this in the, the chat all the time, too. And that chat is, of course, you can join at patreon.com slash topmarks. I like <laughs> the bold predictions. I like the even if they're out to lunch, I, I enjoy people like it's it's creating discussion, saying thank stuff. Thank so you. I'm not gonna come on the show and fucking bury you and say I told you so and sure enough exactly what came to pass. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna say that Brock Lesnar. You're but just how gonna say that you won't say <laughs> it. 
<laughs> well, I am going to say it. Just you wait till we get to the main event of Extreme Rules. I got six bullets in the gun. I've been waiting to <laughs> send money in the bank for this. Uh, uh, what do you think about Drake, though? Uh, I really like him, and he's been very enjoyable, and his wife is also very funny, and I thought she's been a real standout on this whole storyline the whole I way can, along, too. I, I find this woman perplex perplexingly attractive. Like, I can hardly focus when she's on TV. <laughs> she's, she's got a very unique look, and her eyes really, like, pop. She's like... I'm not even saying this in like too much of like a I don't want to sound awful, but like I mean she's like beautiful. Yeah. Like she is like a stunning person, like distracting. Yeah, and she's like very funny. Like she's got yeah. wonderful comedic timing, which I think has really done a great job to sell how good the videos have been on Twitter. Yeah. Which has done a great job to elevate this thing with on within the T V power rankings and, yep. and how they look at it as a uh, a portion of the television as well. I don't know that he can really succeed beyond this. Maybe he can. Maybe, like, look, I'm not familiar with Spud's in-ring work. I never oh, yeah. saw him work uh, other than his match against Maxwell. Oh, yeah, that's right. He takes the one, two, yeah, three he got, from... He uh, did get pinned by King Maxwell. King Maxwell! Uh, that's the only time I've ever seen him work. Okay. Uh, so, like, I don't know a ton about his in-ring, but you seem to love that match he had with EC3. Yeah. I actually love the pairing of him and EC3. So Me if too. He, I, yeah, you know what? I'm you you presented this in the wrong way. Okay. Because if I'm you're gonna elevate him out of this 24/7 thing and put him into the US or the IC, I'm not super into that. Him and EC3 tag. But, him? but if you're gonna put them into the tag title scene, him mm. and EC3, then that is something I can get down with. I I'm gonna go one step further. I'm gonna say it's now a faction with his wife, the, the three oh, of yeah. them, uh, Biggie, Dolph, and uh, AJ Lee style. Perfect. I love it. That's a great idea. The, yours, which got me there too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a great idea I just had. I just got to make it clear. <laughs> so Drake Maverick being elevated above the 24 title scene. Keep it. And that was keep it or kick it. I guess we kind of have to dive into uh, reviewing Extreme Rules at this point, Josh. Absolutely we do, because uh, you and I are uh, long-winded men. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, we've already been talking for about 53 minutes. And we have uh, barely touched on uh, Extreme Rules. So let's dive into it, because let, let's start at the top here, JMO. I thought a good show. Yeah. I thought, I, I'll, I'll say quite a good show, even. Yeah, I think my problem was that because I was reviewing it for the radio show, mm -hmm. I felt obligated to watch the pre-show, which I never do. And That's maybe if you remove that hour. But there was also good stuff on the pre-show that was worth watching. Finn and Nakamura as the opener, and then the Cruiserweight title match, which I thought was pretty good as well. Yep. Um, like th those were matches that I wanted to see, so it's not like I went out of my way to watch the pre-show. It's just like maybe my impression of the show would be different if I only watched four instead of five hours. I think that's true, and I, I do you think you'll have to keep watching the the pre-shows? Probably not, but I did feel like because that was my big like oh geez point. When it was 7 o'clock, and I'd been watching since the pre-show started at 3. Yeah, I it, mean... It was really like, let's wrap it up. I, like, come on. I, I don't want to fall into the length discussion again, but yes. Like, at one, who, who could possibly deny it, And right? maybe if I don't watch that opening hour, I never have that moment in my head where I'm like, this has got to be. Are you kidding me? It's staring at the watch uh, that I don't even wear, you know? <laughs> just like, staring at your wrist, which <laughs> yeah. he did do, folks. <laughs> uh, but let's dive in here, Matt, man. It's the show opened, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, the tag team match between The Undertaker and Roman Reigns taking on... Was this really on Extreme Rules? It was, yeah. At the very beginning. If you can think all the way back. I Doesn't it feel like a million years ago now? I'm not trying to do a bit here. I'm not trying to make a joke. <laughs> I swear to God. I can't believe this happened on Sunday. <laughs> this feels... 
so long ago, but okay, yeah, The Undertaker and Roman Reigns defeated Shane McMahon and uh, Drew McIntyre. It has to be said, a good showing from The Undertaker, right? A good showing from The Undertaker, a good showing from everybody. Yeah, a good match, like, but... this was easily the best match of this feud. This feud has been oh. going on <laughs> for like four and a half months yes. because Drew and Roman were going before Mania. This is easily the most entertaining that anything that has been in the orbit of oh. this entire thing has felt, and it was... Yeah, this was this was very good. Um, yeah, like the tag stipulation helps Undertaker obviously because he gets to work within his limitations. But I also felt it helped Drew a lot too. Yeah, I thought Drew, so too. Drew worked a really fast, hot style right out of the gate. They got right into it. Mm-hmm. There was no fucking long warm up, build up to things. He got to just you know go heavy right out of the gate and then tag out and not have to worry about being gassed. You know what really struck me during this match? How have Roman and Drew not had a good match? Because I thought they both looked excellent in this match. Hard hitting, fast. In I mean, again, tag match, totally different than mm-hmm. their one-on-ones. But I was like, these guys were the highlights in this match, obviously. For sure. they, they are so Both of their offense, hard hitting, in and out. I was like, but yet when you pair them up, and I'm, I don't mean to be negative about a match I like, but it is weird those guys haven't cranked out anything when I like them both here. But it's exactly what I'm talking about with the tag, right? Because yeah. you remove all of the like rest holds and slow down True. moments. You just get to get that heavy hitting style that both guys can deliver, and then they can be out of the ring and like you know not have to worry about finding spots to catch their breath within the match. And I was glad this delivered, too, because I thought it was a weird spot for this match in the opener, but it did sort of play out like your normal hot tag open, uh, NXT style. Yeah, and actually, I do feel like, I know as much as we just said, it feels hard to believe that this happened on this show. Yeah. I do think it would have felt even more lost in the shuffle in a different spot. Well, yeah, sure. If you if you can't be last, you want to be first, right? Sure. Like that that's definitely true. Uh, it's funny, Madman, because there was a lot of talk after this match about the it was a truly great shot of Drew McIntyre coming up behind the Undertaker and this great mm-hmm. piece of camera work. And I don't want to take away from that because I did think it was a really good shot. Yeah, I know you've got a complaint here, though. Well, I, I, know, I, I was sitting here watching with the Sharma. I, I was like, you missed two giant spots in this match. You don't see Roman's spear and you don't see Shane's coast to coast and they don't give you a replay of either. Yeah. That's they a- did give you a replay of the coast to coast. Oh, did they? Yeah, towards the end. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, maybe before the end. But no instant replay after they just missed it. Yeah. Like, you're just like, oh, it's not a coast to coast. It's like, I don't know. Commentary, I'll take your word for it. Because they... Anyway, I, I thought that this was... I actually think that missing the spear worked to the advantage of it, though. Really? I, I liked that shot of Drew over the shoulder so much that the fact that Roman comes in out of nowhere and you never even saw that he okay. was there, like, to me works ideally yes you want that tight shot where roman's not a part of it and then you switch to something else and you see him come in last minute but i I didn't have a problem with it i I guess i'm just gonna say if i'm gonna be if i'm gonna be equally hard on AEW for shit like this i also have to call out wwe for it uh but let's let's get on to the next i cannot believe that match opened that card on sunday (laughs) uh the revival the usos got down for the the tag team titles yeah, I don't. I, I had higher expectations. I can't for this. even remember what the finish is, honestly. The revival with the Shatter Machine, one, two, three. But right. I, I thought that this was. I had higher expectations for this match, and it wasn't a lack of time. I think this went. I'm not on Wikipedia right now, but I got the sense it went for a good 12 minutes or uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I feel. I feel like it was about 10 or so, 10 to 12. You're probably right. And I, I don't know. It just. 
I don't know. It just kind of happened, I feel like. There was no huge standout moment there for were, me. There were elements of it where, you know, the Revival are, what, what are they famous for? You know, being like ring technicians. The being, tag team being, guys. Being so good at like splitting the ring in half and really making you feel that divide between home turf uh, and like That's exactly opposition what do territory best. within a tag match, which I don't feel like often feels like a part of the way people put matches together no. outside of the revival. No. Um, there was some of that stuff in this match, yep. which I thought was very good. Some of that classic, you know, Dash jumping off the apron, running to the other side to pull down the guy to prevent the hot tag, that sort of thing. Like these classic spots that are, you know, show that they are, you know, brain geniuses like yourself as far as tag <laughs> team you. wrestling goes. Uh, but it's exactly like I said earlier. And the Kofi match, very similar. Like, as much as I enjoyed elements of it, it's too short to really deliver the goods in terms of what these, this pairing could really do. Yeah, it's, I'm looking now, 12 and a half minutes. I mean, you wonder what 25 minutes of these guys could get into, eh? Yeah, no, for sure. Really? And, and you know that that in NXT, we would have seen it already. Well, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's just... Wow, I cannot believe this match is only 10 minutes. Here we are talking about length as Cesaro and Aleister Black put on a 9 minute and 45 second barn burner. Uh, I've said before on the show that I think short matches are always going to be beneficial to Aleister Black. I don't think his moveset goes very deep. My least favorite matches of him are always the ones where they go long. This is how you use Aleister Black. And frankly, this is how you use Cesaro because there's two separate spots in this match where he looks like the strongest guy who's ever walked the earth. And maybe this is how you use Drew and Roman too. Like, I bet they could have a banger that was like nine minutes long. Like Brock Goldberg at Mania a couple years ago. Exactly. Just get to it. Yeah. Just go all out and hold nothing back, you know? Because this was heavy impact start to finish. There were a number of really impressive spots, especially Black coming off the turnbuckle and landing on Cesaro. Like, that catch spot was insane. Yeah, well, I mean, even calling it a catch spot, I mean, he goes for the double knees that he normally does in the corner, lands directly on Cesaro's shoulders. Cesaro does not move. It's it's like Aleister Black landed on a mountain. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the catcher go down. He, like, this is, he just lands on him. There's no effect. And I was, I thought that was quite the moment to me. And, you know, you and I talked about this before in the lead up to the match that, like, Cesaro's uppercut versus uh, Black's Black Mask kick should feel like a superhero moment. And it they sh- did it. It should feel like Mjolnir smashing <laughs> yeah. down on Captain America's shield. And it did. Dude, when they have that exchange in the pocket where uh, Cesaro's just going with the Euros over and over, like, that shit gets me going. Yeah, like, and, when, and when he did that springboard uppercut off of the, the ropes, oh. which Black countered by kicking the fist, that's exactly what I wanted from this match. Yep. It's like they knew the best visual they could possibly provide, and they gave it to us, and it was fucking great. We actually didn't watch this show together. I'm just assuming you liked this match as much as I did. Very much loved yeah. this match. Really fun. Great pairing of guys. I don't know that I want to see it extended. I see some people being like, let these guys feud. I kind of just want these matches for Aleister Black. Like, I think this is good build for him. You give a guy a couple weeks build like they did with Cesaro, heat him mm. up a little bit. Barnburn with Aleister Black where they end up eating the Black Mass. I think this is a very good pattern. I'd like to see it continue rather than this feud extended. I would like to see this feud extend, yeah. I think. Because you think Cesaro deserves well, it. Well, I think Cesaro deserves it. I think I think there's a new kind of, you know, we called him like a Bond villain last week. Yep. In the way that that presentation went down to sell this match. I think Cesaro needs a reset as far as character goes. Just mm-hmm. as much as a Bray Wyatt or, a, you know, any other number of guys who've had their characters resetted in the last little while. Cesaro is incredible. And we have all known that 
for a very long time, yep. for six years now, mm-hmm. six six years ago that Cesaro won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That was six years that ago? That was WrestleMania 20, actually 14. Take a sword and behead me. Five years ago. Oy, but yor. still, like we've all been on board with this guy for a very long time. But but here's my thing, though. I feel like we're so in these cycles of like guys feuding forever. Mm-hmm. Go their separate ways, get a few wins, and when we, three months down the road, when they're like, "Hey, these guys are gonna fight again," we're like, that was fucking awesome last time, and I'm not tired of it. I guess, but I I don't know. They did it again on SmackDown on TV. It wasn't as good as the pay per view match, but it was still a good match yep. on TV. And I I do think there is something. Like, you can spin this off into Cesaro going into a different feud afterwards by, like, escalating his desperation and, mm-hmm. and, his, and his frustration that this guy is getting the better of him. Like, you know, I think we all know that Aleister Black is a killer. Yes. But Cesaro can come out of this as a killer as well just because that's the height that the feud took him to. And oh. then I th- in that sense, I think continuing it could be valuable, depending sure. on what they do. Like, obviously... Everything is dependent on having a bigger idea beyond just what's happening right now. But I do think that there is a positive, a, a number of different positive outcomes that could come from continuing this. Bailey defeated Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Wow. I can't remember anything about this match. I really liked the double submission spot when it yeah. looked like Bailey was going to get them both. I thought that was all right, except the one she had on Nikki was the weird, like, leg like holding her leg. Pencil. I didn't understand what was supposed to hurt there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was all right. Uh, I thought Bailey really fucking worked her ass off. Yeah, no, I and agree. I felt bad for her because this is a stipulation that like this match was never going to be good. Yeah, that's really all I really have to say about it. The person one that we all thought was going to win, and uh, and it, and and it's, it's over now for Bailey. Thank goodness. Yeah. Madman, you talk about over-delivering. And maybe we disagree here, because I, I know I some people do. Some people disagree on this. But I thought the last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley was a, a, uh, ex- a an example of great booking for characters. Okay, well, I, and I do agree on some level. There were some spots that I enjoyed in this. Mm-hmm. In particular, Braun, like going way, way back and then cutting that huge path through the crowd to just absolutely shoulder block uh, Lashley <laughs> into the oblivion. the longest wind-up. It was like the longest run-up in history. <laughs> and often Braun running looks so goofy yeah. on TV, but because he was like covered by the crowd in part, yeah. it really worked. But you want to complain about camera spots. Yo, jeez. Man, the finish of this match, you couldn't even tell what happened to them. Yeah, or where Bobby Lashley is for a last man standing match, which is a pretty important piece of the puzzle. For sure. Sure it is, but also, like, what they dropped into, we didn't get a clean shot at no, what true. it was, like, literally at any point. They just disappeared into a hole, <laughs> yeah. and then Braun Kool-Aid manned out the wall <laughs> at the end to prove that he was still alive. Hang on, you just said Kool-Aid man through the wall like you were dismissive No, that it. was great. <laughs> okay, that thank goodness. did work, but just dropping into this pit. Yeah. Like, I have no clue. Like, it's possible that they, like, literally took, like, a, you know, a two-foot little dip there. True. Like, well, it's, and it's possible Bobby Lashley is standing. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> I can't That's... appreciate the severity of the bump if I can't tell what the bump is. Sure. Yeah. No, I think there's a valid argument there. Uh, this is my favorite WWE Bobby Lashley match of this most recent run. Uh, and I thought it, it reestablished Braun... These are Braun matches. Like, this is what Braun should be doing to me, is I can't tell you anything that happened besides, like, the four big spots. Fair. And that's that's just where I see them. 
Uh, I'm wondering what they're going to do with Bobby Lashley Yeah, now, that's though. my concern, too, because I really thought he was going to win this, honestly. Oh, really? I thought Braun is, like, over enough that he can survive a loss and it sure. doesn't mean anything to him, especially if there's, like, a big stunt involved. Right. But, like, Lashley has been back now. This return run is 15 months deep. Well, and where is Leo Rush? Yeah. Where, like, I, poor, not poor Bobby Lashley, because, like, I'm not saying he should be getting any sort of big push, but, like, talk about a guy who never wins and just, he like... He beat Roman last year. Yeah. And at, then, this, at this time last year, he beat Roman Reigns in a one-on-one singles match, and that is literally the only important win that he's gotten on this entire return Well, then run. Roman beat him the next night on Raw. Exactly. Just instantly got it back. Yeah. So, yeah, not, not a lot of love for... Uh, for uh, young Bobby Lashley. Uh, loved this next one here, J-Mo, is the New Day, who I don't think anybody saw winning this one. No. Uh, took on the Planet's Champions, Daniel, Daniel Bryan and uh, Eric Rowan, and Heavy Machinery, Otis and Tucker, who I think everyone had as the odds-on favorites to to win and go on and never be defeated. I mean, I had the Planet's Champions retaining, personally, because uh, I think there's still money in that act. Yep. I really enjoy them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, where Daniel Bryan goes from here is unclear. It seems like he's hinting at no more tag team. Uh, but then, like, Rowan would still be his bodyguard on some level, right? Or does Rowan go his own way now? I, I don't... I, it's all very unclear to me. Yeah. Uh, but I would, I would we like... Didn't, we didn't to... get any answers from TV this week. No, they sent out an email yesterday, WWE did, saying that Daniel Bryan's going to finally... has some sort of announcement about the A future... career-altering announcement. Yeah. What Daniel, what did Bryan say on Tuesday? Nothing. Not a word. Didn't speak. So uh, <laughs> that's... What he really... His career-defining, this career-altering decision was uh, no longer going to talk. That's, that's, <laughs> which is career altering <laughs> it is for sure like if he's no longer going to speak that's could look at that one over yeah, yeah could, I mean, maybe he had to rewrite his speech at the last minute <laughs> what'd you think of this match though jmo it was fun yeah, yeah. i i said on the radio show on sunday i thought this had uh better tag action than the raw match yep and i thought in some ways it had better hoss action than the last man standing <laughs> match <laughs> with uh big otis and biggie and rowan and like yeah. there's a lot of big men in that ring I- I didn't feel Rowan was active enough in this match. Uh, I didn't feel like he was in it a time. I could be wrong about this if you look up the minutes. Just when I was watching, I was like, where, where is Rowan in this? I felt like all the other guys were getting down. Well, that's because the star pairing in this whole feud has been for the last two months. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Of course I do. Otis versus Daniel Bryan. I could have said it at the same time as you. Of course it is. Because <laughs> when you get two A-plus tier players. And it's crazy to think that Otis is that. But he is, man. <laughs> Wake he, up, folks. He, he is. There is The future is here and he looks like a refrigerator. He's so good, man. His small face on his giant head. Everything about Otis kicks he's ass. He's so good in the <laughs> ring, too. Like It doesn't make sense that him and Brian Styles should mesh. But no. they 1,000% do. Dude, I should hate the caterpillar elbow. I yeah. should hate it. Every time he starts licking his lips and going for it, I'm like, oh, caterpillar. And maybe that'll age. Maybe I won't feel that way in a while, but I'm still all in on Otis. Oh, my God, there are still a lot of matches on this card. This, I mean. 12 matches. Mama mia. Well, match number nine on it, J-Mo, is uh, AJ Styles taking on Ricochet, retaking his U.S. title. Great match. I, I... Yeah, this was a surprise finish to me. It, yeah, in I, some ways, it shouldn't be, right? Like, it shouldn't 
You shouldn't be surprised that in the reformation of a heel stable, the heel would cheat and win. I was one of the only two people in our whole predictions pool who took AJ there. And it it just feels like there's so much momentum behind Ricochet. Yeah. And they're so, like, convinced trying to get this guy over. He he already is over. But when have they ever formed a faction and eaten a loss in their first match? I don't think it's ever happened. That's true. It just, like, seemed so unlikely for... This new baby face sure. who's got the the rocket strapped to him to take a loss like this. Right. But I mean he had to he beat AJ along the way to get here, right? So it's not like he has not been put over by AJ Styles every step of the way. <laughs> That's exactly and right. this feud is going to continue. Yeah. And, and it should. This feud is tons of fun. This is a feud of the year contender right now for me. Uh, uh, so I I, I the, wouldn't have thought about that until you said it, but as soon as you said it. That feels right. The, every segment these guys have together is good. Every match these guys have together is good. Yeah. And when they came to the pay-per-view for the big one, they put on a great match. Yeah, when people have complained about the way Raw has been over the last month or whatever, I keep pointing to this feud and saying that everything that has gone on with these guys, every single segment is leagues, miles ahead of anything that was happening on Raw earlier in the year. And that's, oh, that, I mean, undeniable. And that, that's even without the reforming of the club that's happened during this feud mm-hmm. and is also fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, for, for me, for me, no-brainer. I love this. It's the reason I'm the TMW heavyweight champion now is that uh, AJ Styles pulled it through for me. Yeah, so thank Josh you, won the Pick'em's Pool. He's defeated Scoots Brodo. Yeah. Brodo Scoots has been banished to the uh, the loser zone. He's not taking the loss well. He changed his name on Twitter to Lost My Belt. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel kind of bad. But you know what? Uh, I'm I'm the job guy of the Pick'em's right now. What's going on? I don't know. I, I keep thinking I'm like outfoxing myself right now. Like, uh, I keep trying to like, you know, like I picked Lashley. Nobody else picked Lashley because right. why would anyone it's a stupid pick why would i do that <laughs> but I, I this is great uh i saw people saying that they hated that ricochet lost the title so soon i can understand that argument but i think that belt is better on aj with the club beside him and i happen to think ricochet is going to hit a 630 and pin him eventually anyway mm-hmm. so that's just where we are uh they for oh, what it's the ricochet's coming out on top in the end here. oh yeah absolutely and and you know what a baby face is always better in the chase you're always going to want to pull for this guy who got robbed more than you're gonna want to cheer for the guy who overcame the cheating and still won anyways <laughs> you know what's a weird exception to that for me what gargano almas like by the end like i'm just wanting all this so bad even <laughs> though he's cheating and Zelina's involved like he's when gargano like, kicks out of i forget he kicks out of something near the end i was like no and i was so the, sure he takes the um there's like a double underhook DDT off the draping ropes right. that he kicks out of that should be the finish of that match. I remember being so sure Gargano was going to win. I was like, fuck, no. So I was, uh, of course, extremely pleased. Madman, uh, was this announced beforehand, this Dolphin KO thing? This was uh, a surprise to me when Dolphin I was Dolphin KO, as well as Finn versus Nakamura, uh-huh. were added to the card like 90 minutes before the show oh, started. Oh, okay. That, that explains it then. Because, yeah, I didn't know this was happening. Kevin Owens was just entering. And I was like, okay. Uh, for those who didn't see, Kevin Owens hits Dolph Ziggler with a stunner and pins him. And, yeah, one move, one, two, three. Match of the year. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler squash. Uh, hey, at least he could take the stunner, which is more than Shane McMahon can say. Well, yeah, jeez. Yeah. That's, like, one of the worst stunners in history. Although, that said... Just like the old man, <laughs> which, true. Is, which is perfect. That is true. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I didn't really know what the point of this was, and now that Dolph it's, is in a title match, I, I don't know how that happens after getting squashed by Owens. It, it was but. just to continue. It was just to give 
Owens mic time, basically. And which I get, he's but Stone Cold Kevin Owens right now. But if you have Ziggler challenging for the title in a couple of weeks, why do you squash him? Because that's a that's a house show match. Like that was <laughs> never. It's not part of their long term storytelling plan. Fair right? enough. And and why is he getting that match? Because he's cozying up with Shane McMahon right now. Which is funny because who else is cozied up with Shane McMahon? Who? Drew McIntyre. Yeah. These two His guys. Buddy. Who, who don't just, acknowledge it. Yeah, let's not even talk don't, about it. Don't. I know what you're. I thought we decided. We're just <laughs> the, the, sure they were together for. <laughs> but we're not. Yeah. Did they break up acrimoniously? <laughs> big time. Did they, they acknowledge it at all? No. no. They just. They just love Shane. Yeah. And that's what they have in common. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe. Uh, solid, unremarkable. Yeah. Good. Fine. Just the the finish came too quickly. Yeah, it was too short of a match in general. Yeah. It was 10 minutes. Exactly. Or so. Hang on. What? Yeah, nine and a half minutes. But I will say, when you do these surprise finishes earlier in the show, yeah. when you put the IC title on Nakamura, when you put the tag titles on New, New Day, Day. Uh, when you put the U.S. title on AJ Styles, mm-hmm. when you are very clearly reorienting your show, let me try that again. Reorienting they're, your show, reorientating, yeah, uh, coming heading towards SummerSlam, and like setting everything up for that. I fully bought into the idea that Joe could win that match. So which, did I. Coming into the night, no fucking chance. It's I picked Samoa Joe in the pick'em school, which was my stinker pick. As he did, did the, the finish you said came too soon. It was surprising, right? Yeah. Like I couldn't believe that was the 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 finish, but. What are you going to say? Just not enough time. And Kofi just continuing to be a solo ass kicker. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It works for me. I like Kofi's title run. I think it's really good. And all three of those guys having belts right now? Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. It's perfect. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch defeating Barry, Cor- Barry Corbin, as everybody knows him and loves Barry. him. Just Barry Corbin. Hey, so, it's yeah. Barry. You guys watch HBO? Barry, Barry <laughs> Corbin. Uh, and Lacey Evans in a last chance winner takes all Extreme Rules mixed tag team match for the WWE Universal Championship and WWE Raw Women's Championship. Um, you ever heard of that match type before? I have never heard Great of that step. match It's a really before. good step. Probably needs more text at the bottom. Oh, do you want me to say it again? Just no. Can you can you actually look up the WrestleMania card from this year and read the stipulation that was attached to Triple H versus Batista? Because I'm pretty sure it was a full paragraph of text. <laughs> I, if you you start talking about this match, and I will do that. Okay. Well, this match was significantly better than I think anyone expected that oh. it would or could be. Who could deny it? And I think part of that is the fact that it was the only match on the entire show that was an Extreme Rules match. In the past, that when, is it, weird. when we get into these, like, uh, you know, uh, whether it's Hell in a Cell or TLC, all of these stipulation-attached pay-per-views, there's always, like, this desire that, you know, you, you got to have three or four Hell in a Cell matches during Hell in a Cell. You got to have stipulations attached to every single match yep. that's attached on the Extreme Rules or the TLC card. You don't. You. It really does make it feel special when only one match has the stip. And I think it's true for Extreme Rules, but I think you said the one that it's even truer for there in Hell in a Cell. For like sure. they just need to get away from doing multiples of those in the worst way. Uh, at Mania, it was billed as just a no holds barred match, but Wikipedia's full text box says this: 
No holds barred match. Had Triple H lost, he would have been forced to retire from in ring competition forever. <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, yeah, th- and that was all up on the big screen. Uh, yeah, Mania I, when they make their entrances because I watched a little bit of the uh, the Batista twenty four special. I watched the first twenty minutes or so. Of that and he too. walks out on stage, and you can see it on the screen behind him. It's like no holds barred. If Batista loses, he must retire. If Triple H loses, he must step away from in ring. Competition. Wow, what a what a match! Like, yeah, let's let's add a little bit more text to that. Speaking of feels long ago, uh, I thought Becky taking the end of days here was like a jaw dropping moment for me. Spectacular! I, I thought she was going to reverse when he went back up. I thought she'd just go around the neck and mm-hmm. sort of bounce out. That she ate it, and the way Seth responded, I thought was awesome. I thought Seth really sold that moment super well. Um, That's it, the best that they've been as an on screen couple. Oh, for sure. Uh, and and I thought weirdly this was a shining spot for Baron Corbin as well. I thought his offense looked all good in this match. Even Lacey Evans, mostly weapons, but still getting by. Yeah. Double table spot was rad. Yep. Lacey hitting a moonsault was very impressive. Pretty to good me. moonsault too. Yeah. I, I didn't know she could do that. That that was a uh, you she, know an eye review, an eye opening moment for me. If she's gonna do like a a Rick Rude esque thing and have the name of the opponent written on the the back of her trunks, I think that's cool. She had Seth written on the back. I thought yeah, that was kind of cool. Perv camera shot. Yeah. Uh, the new. Japan camera team uh, joining WWE for yeah, a weekend. Maria was yeah. in the booth with them being <laughs> yeah. like, just yeah. pulling on the yeah. ass yeah. like it's mine. Yeah, they called the asshole shot, I yeah. believe. Yeah. That's, uh, um, but yeah, I really liked this match. Which and I then. cannot believe we're saying. Like, no. Before we move on, we really need to yes. appreciate the fact that if we're going to talk about the Taker-Roman uh, yep. tag match is the best thing uh, that uh, any of that feud has been this was easily the best thing in both of the feuds yes Becky and Lacey and Seth uh, versus Baron by far the best thing and I want to be clear I don't think that's redemptive of all the shit no, that got not. us here but i just saying that I do want to give it credit these are people the, that I was not interested in watching wrestling each other and I was very into the and match and the match was very enjoyable and and again that's even more impressive in a match where I'm like 99% sure of who's winning you right? give it like three and a half probably is that your four stars for me four stars yeah wow. I liked it a lot alright but I'm not a, a hard marker. I give lots of five stars. If I love something, if the masterpiece, whatever, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm an easy. I, I I saw three things this week. I would give four and a half or more to. So don't don't take my ratings uh, all too seriously. Match wise, yeah. All right. Endo Takashita. Takashita is like my favorite name. Hey, you want to Takashita? <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't make fun of the poor guy. All right, we got to talk about this post match, man. We, we got to do we it. We do because sometimes you got to pay the piper. Yeah, and pop culture isn't happening. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's you know what? Oh, don't! I'm it's, letting you out. It's not over yet. It's over. It's not over yet. <laughs> we are getting this match at SummerSlam, and it's finally going to be the the match that these two have never had. And I know that you don't want to see it anymore. Well, I don't. Do you? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about what happened after the match, just to, in case people didn't see it. Okay. Brock Lesnar cashes in on Seth Rollins after one F five, one two three. Brock Lesnar is now the Universal Champion. And look, I understand there are certain things about the booking of the finish of the match that make sense. There are other things that don't, because he just uncorked vicious weapon attacks on Baron Corbin in response to. Becky getting attacked by Baron. Yeah. And that's how they win the match is he pins Baron afterwards after just hitting him with a chair until he's dead. Yeah. Um, Which is great. Which is great. But then you're you're supposed to believe that he's so concerned about Becky that he's off his game and can't defend himself from Brock. 
My dude, you just killed someone yes. with weapons. That's why would you not hit Brock with the same chair that you just killed Baron with? It made Seth look like a doofus. Absolutely, it's like here comes Brock Lesnar. He's cashing in. You're surrounded and by he, weapons. He's looking at Becky and very concerned about her. Yeah. And then the music hits, and he looks up towards the ramp, and you see this like moment of conflict between like what what are my options here as far as like I want to look out for my girl, but I also have this. You know, looming threat coming for me right now. It absolutely, though, like, I understand what they were going for, but when you finish the match on a weapon attack flurry. Yes. And so much of what Brock and Seth was built around has been weapon attacks as well. We've already seen Seth lay into Brock with chairs. It made no sense for us not to see it again. Totally agree on that point. And also, just the match wasn't booked in so insofar that, like, Seth was drained. It's yeah. a tag match. Exactly. Like, if he didn't have some sort of singles barn burner, he was tagging in and out. He beat the shit out of Corbin with that chair. I just didn't buy that he was, like... Like, think of how many people kick out of the F5. Like, mm -hmm. one F5 is, like, the attitude adjustment. Yeah, I didn't buy it either. Like, I, I thought, in fairness to Seth, they should have at least done a couple more yeah, F5s but, there, or German. Like, or, like, have Baron really destroy him over the course of the match. Or Baron even help Brock something. Yeah. But but I just thought, I didn't get why it was so... E and I know he's Brock Lesnar and all this, but I was just like... I didn't feel like Seth was super depleted there. I felt like he was, like, adrenalized and holding a weapon and had just won... And then, and maybe if commentary would have like sold an adrenaline dump or mm -hmm. something, I could have gotten there. But I thought the booking was weird for sure. But but ultimately, what what bothers me about this is we're just exactly where we started, which is Brock Lesnar's the Universal Champion, Seth Rollins is the challenger, and there's no money in the bank. Like I I, I don't know what we did. Why did he win Money in the Bank? Yeah. Why? Who who is it's, winning in this it situation? It seemed like they used Money in the Bank this year the way that they used King of the Ring the year that Brock won King of the Ring. Explain it to me. I don't remember well enough. The, the winner of the tournament gets the main event of SummerSlam. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they did with Money in the Bank. I guess that's it. Um, but, but I do agree. I went off on this on the radio show on Sunday night in, in the immediate aftermath of the show. What was the point of any of this when, like, you know... The universal title means nothing oh. to anyone. Oh. It couldn't mean any less. There are two defining reigns of that belt. One of them is Kevin Owens, where he's booked to look like a complete fucking joke for yeah. eight months straight. And lighthearted. And the other is Brock Lesnar, who's never there, never defends the title, never is on TV, and like has probably had maybe four good matches in the last two years. Yeah, I... I just and I'm sure him and Brock are going to put on, or him and Seth are going to put yes. on a good match at some. Who, yes. There's no denying that. I I just don't know why we needed all of this to get there. Like I we yeah, no. we we'd be doing Brock Seth at SummerSlam without this like lackadaisical like lame feud to me, and I just I felt frustrated. Like well, I felt frustrated for Seth even. It's like what were we building to here? You just finally smashed Baron Corbin after three months of a horrible feud to arrive back. A challenging Here's, Brock Lesnar. It just came to me right now. This is not something that this is this is not something that I said on Central this week. This is uh, right off the top of the dome. I'm gonna refute what you just said. All right, I'm gonna tell you exactly. Go off why why they because you you are correct that at any time Brock like Braun last year did not need the briefcase to get a title match. He could have asked for it at any time. He was do a rematch even though they've done away with automatic rematches. But to get to this point where, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, would, would you rather, 
if if we have not seen a the thirty minute like main event match that these two guys can deliver, yeah. would you rather get that match as a title defense for Seth? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, would, or would you rather get it as him recapturing the title? No, title defense for Seth. Because the, the, the number one thing that you get out of cashing in the, the title is that we get this you know, crowning achievement moment for Rollins without having seen the match to put the belt back on Brock in the first place. Yes. like That's the only positive that I can think of. And I, I, there is something to that, but I don't know that it's enough of a positive to override... You know, not putting the belt on, or not putting the briefcase on like Mustafa Ali or fucking whoever. Well, I mean, even twist it this far, okay? He beats Brock at Mania. Mm-hmm. Brock is off TV until two five nights ago at Extreme Rules. Okay, I know he appeared at uh, Stomping Grounds, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we lose at Mania. Let's say he just doesn't appear at Stomping Grounds. And last or on Sunday, Actually, he didn't appear at Stomping Grounds. I don't. Think. Yeah, I don't think he's been on a pay per view. No, he's been on every pay per view except Stomping Grounds. Well, what's there been? Oh, so he was on Money in the Bank. Yeah, so he won Money in the Bank, and then yeah, there's but, only and, been and one. then he's been on Raw a ton since then. I don't know what a ton, <laughs> three, he, three times maybe. No, he was on. He was on pretty well every show after he won. For like, regardless, let me get to the point. Yeah, he's Seth Rollins has beaten Baron Corbin and Becky Lynch, out sprints Brock Lesnar and hits him with an F five, and now he the feud is reason. Hey, you beat my Brock, and now we're gonna fight at SummerSlam. It's the exact same fuck thing, except you're building Seth, who is your champion, now defending against the strongest guy, instead of chasing Brock Lesnar a fucking gen. I think the, it's no like it's no different, except it's better without money in the bank. I think the biggest thing that like the biggest problem is we don't feel any sort of sense of loss of no. of Rollins dropping the title because the like the entire sales pitch of Rollins being champion is supposed to be that you know, finally there's a champion who's going to fight and yeah. defend this title regularly on every pay-per-view, a guy who's going to be on TV week after week. And if we got an extended feud with AJ, maybe I would feel that way. Sure. But we got one month of AJ, which was kind of confused because it, it came during a very weird time where TV was just a mess. Yep. And then we got three months of Baron Corbin. And nobody on the other side of three months of Baron Corbin can be like, damn, you're going to take me out of that? Yeah, no. I think oh, that, no. I, I think that plays a role. And I hate ending this so negatively because I enjoyed Extreme Rules. Yeah. Like, I was watching it and enjoying my time. But when I, I, I almost, even though I predicted it, I almost couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, it, it, this is literally what it is? Like, this is it? We're just going to have Seth re-challenge him? Like, I don't know. When he won that Battle Royal on Monday, I was just like... But, like, who would expect anything differently? Of course that's the match. Like, you know... Of Why? Co- of course it is. Why? He beat him. At WrestleMania. It happened. It was a five-minute match that began with a low blow. It's not... But those are Brock matches. You're here talking like this 20-minute match against Rollins and Inevitability. He's had one of those in three years against Daniel Bryan. That's it. Everyone else is 15 minutes or less. Like Roman, I, I, Roman got 25-minute matches both times. What? Oh, with the cash in match. That's, yeah. I I don't. I guess that technically that is that and isn't that, this and that, Brock Reign though. But that is a great match, and I think for sure. And Rollins can have a match of that caliber with him. Like, but I, will people care? One will of it my, help Rollins? One of my favorite spots uh, is that match that Taker interrupts uh, at Extreme. No, I guess. Did you say one of your favorite matches? Or one of your no, favorite one spots? of my favorite spots. Oh, okay. One of my favorite spots uh, is that match that. Taker interrupts, which was at uh, Battleground, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Where he does the Germans, and Seth just lands on his feet yeah. out of it. Yeah, like, it's awesome. Like, I want that spot. I want a story that's built around that sort of thing 
that is not also built around, well, Seth Rollins is a sniveling coward as well. Sure. Because, like, we haven't gotten to get that match yet. And, okay. and like, I... I liked the match. You 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 need to understand on some level that the match that they had at Mania was much different than the match that they would have had if they were the main event and the women were not. Yeah, of course. So we're getting the match that they would have done in the main event at SummerSlam instead. Right. After when no one gives a fuck yeah. and it does nothing for Seth Rollins I don't know. and I, it's bad booking. I still really want to see that match. <laughs> I, I've been wanting to see that match for like four years, so you're not going to talk me out of it now. Oh, I'm not, I've been trying to talk you out of bad opinions on Brock Lesnar <laughs> and Seth Rollins for four months. Why would I start now? I'm just saying my thoughts. I'm not going to try and convince you. I, I don't have that much oxygen or time. Like that is a match that I, you know, you and I are both going to be in Toronto. Neither of us have tickets to SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about what are the matches that I would like to see that would convince me to buy a ticket to that show. Yeah. You know, uh, on some level, Gable versus Gulak is one of them. <laughs> More than fucking Brock and Rollins. No, not, not no. Because like, oh. I want additional reasons to go beyond Brock and Rollins, but that Brock and Rollins match should be enough. Like, I definitely badly want to see that match. I think it will deliver in a huge way. So that was, was Extreme Rules. Uh, wait, what if it doesn't? Then I will have very sour opinions on everything that's happening. Hang on, what 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 if what if it's like just a standard, like a pretty good pay per view main event, like on the you you know you gave this one four stars. Yeah, let's say something on the level of this, like a really solid good pay per view main event. Will that satisfy? Because I feel like you're building up. Because if you are like. I feel like your position is such a long time coming, right? Like, how can I not have those expectations? Because you've seen them interact a bunch of times, and it's never good. (laughs) That's why. That's how could you expect the opposite? Because I, I, yeah, I don't know. I want, I want the match that Battleground promised me. If Seth wasn't a heel, I, I hope you get it. But if it's something standard, like let's say it's as good as Brock versus any of his other title defenses, aside from Brian, yeah, you're mostly satisfied. I don't. I don't want an eight-minute match. I don't like. I feel like the Finn match is like eight minutes, right? I want. I want a main event caliber. Like what? What they would? What they've been trying to do with Reigns forever? Just do it with Rollins. That's what we wanted to see at Mania. Yeah, true. Uh, what do you think of Extreme Rules? Total all over letter grade. I, I'm sour on the ending. Not as much you, but total, total show score. It's hard because the visual of Brock with the title as the thing you go off the air with I is know. such a sour. It's so sour. <laughs> like, it's such an awful visual. It's like, just I, such a fuck you, you it, know what it, I mean? 1,000% is. <laughs> but over, like, it was a good show. Like, I, what did, what did we settle on for, I, I guess the last thing that we reviewed was Double or Nothing, and I said that was a B-. minus. I like this. We did Fight that. for the Fallen, too. Um, or I mean, Fighter Fest. Yeah, Fighter Fest. That's yeah. B minus B- is what we. This said was better than Fighter Fest, I think. It was for sure. Yeah. I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say B plus. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say B, but but it's it almost does deserve more. I'm not gonna give it because there was some stuff the Brock thing does bring it down. But what this card did really well, I thought, was the stuff that I thought was gonna be good was good, and the stuff I was gonna be thought was gonna be bad was good. <laughs> I, I thought the mixed tag at the top of the card was gonna suck. Yeah, and I thought it was good. I thought Bob Taker, you thought was gonna suck, and it was good. And I thought Braun and Bobby was gonna suck, and we different, but we it wasn't shit. I I didn't think think. it was shit. Yeah, I just like I get bored of the counting. Sure, yeah, fair. So, so the stuff that I thought wasn't gonna be good, I was gonna be wrong about, and so it sort of just leveled out into this good show with a real high point in the triple threat tag and Alistair and Cesaro for me. So, yeah, solid B. And AJ Ricochet was great too. But yeah, and absolutely, I think that was probably my match. So when there's like that many things that I loved, I would say B plus. Best WWE pay per view of the year so far. Ooh, 
I mean, it's not stiff competition. Yeah. Stomping Grounds was all-time bad. Yeah, probably. Mania was 400 hours. Stomping Grounds had some decent stuff on the undercard. True, but... Yeah, no, you're right. You're uh, right. But I think this blows it out of the water. So, well done, WWE. Let's keep a little bit of momentum here. Yeah, and honestly, they put together a card that outside of the main, like, you had reasons to be licking your chops mm-hmm. at yep. looking at this card. I think there's reason for optimism across the board right now at WWE. I Th- really do. Things seem to be going in the right direction for the first time in a very long time. And I know we've said that a couple weeks in a row now, but it continues to prove true. And I feel like it's worth repeating when people that we know who are incessantly cynical continue to be incessantly cynical no matter what happens. We, I want the show to be like, you can take us at our word. Like, if we think something sucks, we'll say it sucks, but we'll also say it's good. I know it's sometimes more interesting just to, like, rail on stuff and, like... Yeah, but, like, if I'm going to watch Raw and SmackDown every week... I want to go in yeah. with the mindset that this can be good. That's right. And, like, I un- I get it, too, because I've been there before where you get so bogged down in how shitty it is week after week that you're just so incessantly negative. I've been that guy on this show in the last six months. But sometimes you need to understand, and I have definitely come to this understanding, that that might be at times more on you than on the show itself. You Attitude m- does how ha- ha- play a lot. You might just need to stop watching Raw for a, a little while and then come back to it and find that it's not as bad as you think. But never stop listening to Top Marks, folks. We're no. always going to be here waiting of, with open arms. Of course. But if I'm going to watch this show, I'm going to want to go in with optimism, with like, give me a reason to be to be entertained, give me a reason to come back next week. Yep. Otherwise, what am I doing here? Well, yeah, you'd want to just jump off a bridge. Of course. How many, I mean, have you ever thought about how many days of your life you've spent watching wrestling since we started this show? Yeah, probably a, a full year of my 32. If you like to, if you want to encourage us to continue down this path of uh, what you're going to call madness, yeah, head on over to Patreon.com/topmarks. You can join our group chat. You can join TMW Top Marks Wrestling Predictor Challenge. I am your champion, the brain genius Josh Custodio, defending at SummerSlap against one Doug Crap, assisted by his valet Lars Crap, and uh, the Power Baby Matt Reynas. It's true. Two jobbers who are going to be going down for the one, two, three to me. But you can get all that and more for only five bucks. Patreon.com. Doug slash Top Marks. Doug cashed in his pepperoni in the bag to make it a triple threat. That's absolutely right. Uh, but there's also a contest going on around of course. Our, our federation as Thank well. Thank you for remembering this. Uh, so, uh, you know, our good friend Brandon O'Connor has put in a ton of work to organize the Pick'em Tool. A ton tool. of work. It, it's so much fun. Like, I <laughs> honestly don't know how uh, all the money goes to us from this every month. Because I, Brandon, like, is the biggest value add it, imaginable. If you are donating to Justin and I, what you're actually doing is saying, Boofer, thank you. Yeah, and if you want to put your, uh, you know, brain power to the test against the brain genius, now that he's the champ, it's the perfect time to do it. And not only the champ, three cards in a row, I've only gotten one match wrong. Yeah. I mean, how this title reign's going forever. It started on Sunday. It's going. You think you're sick of Brock Lesnar holding the title? You're going to be mortified and of right, me. And right now, I'm like Shinsuke Nakamura as of last week. <laughs> I need one win to get my career back on track because I tell you what. My Pickham's career not going well. But maybe you can be the jobber I need to get me over the hump. <laughs> That's right. Come challenge me in Top Marks Wrestling. Once again, patreon.com slash topmarks, $5 a month. But Brandon has put together a con- uh, contest for us where the winner will get a Mr. Coffee coffee mug and a t-shirt. Unbelievable. All you have to do is, I forget the email, JMO, but I'll, I'll look it up and I'll tweet it from the, the Top Marks email. I think it's topmarksfed at gmail.com. I'll just pull it up right here because it's going to be 
on the damn show. And oh. you can cut a promo. Uh, send your best promo into the email via, you know, uh, send a link or the video file itself. We're going to be judging all of these promos. And the winner will be picked by Josh and myself. TopMarksFed at gmail.com. Email a promo. Cut it on Justin and I. Cut it on TopMarks. Come for our title. Do what you need to do. And there's some cool prizes for you if you are the winner. Yeah, and I think... Which you won't be, because I might enter. <laughs> I, I think that's everything for this week. Before we wrap up, yeah. do want to plug... Yes, please. Wrestle Central, Sportsnet 650, uh, Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Even if you're not in the Vancouver area, you can tune in via the web stream. And I strongly recommend that you do this week, because, oh my goodness, I have a doozy of an interview coming your way this Sunday. You thought TJP was good. You thought Mr. Perkins brought the noise. Baby, we are just getting started. The I don't think I will ever be able to top this one. It gets very heavy into the politics of wrestling uh, and labor relations and unionization, uh, uh, trying to unionize professional wrestling. I interviewed the cream in your coffee. The Bernie Sanders of wrestling. He's got a thousand nicknames. I couldn't possibly list them all. But I interviewed David Starr. And this is no bullshit, folks. I listened to this interview. You want to hear this interview. Like if you care about independent wrestling, you're, you're going to want to hear this. Sunday night, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Sportsnet 650. Absolutely. David Starr in conversation with myself. I am very, very proud of this one. So do tune in to catch it. And I think that's it. So until next week, pepperoni sticks. Say yeah! I saw some movies last week. You see anything? Uh, no, but I don't know that we... Yeah, I think last week we teased out that I had seen Spider-Man and you hadn't. Yeah, I saw Spider-Man and Crawl. You did not like Crawl. No. I almost went to see it against your recommendation. I almost want you to. Because maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think my opinion should be taken as the fucking Holy Bible. And you know what? I really did not like Alexander Aja's uh, Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah. And yeah. then I saw it again on TV. Like it was playing on the horror channel oh, yeah? earlier this Played year. Played a little better. I liked it a lot more watching it on TV than I did the first time I'm, I saw it. I'm happy to hear that because I didn't like that one much at all. I I mean, I'm, you didn't see Crawl, so we won't talk about it. Spider-Man, I thought was excellent. I, I thought Spider-Man over-delivered for me. You liked it me. more than me. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think, and I felt like I was like selling it hard on you to maybe set unreasonable expectations before you saw it. I, I walked out to my my uh, uh, dear friend Jordan Desharm and I, and I was just uh, just thought it was a great answer to Endgame. Like not lighthearted. Like it still has its beats, but it's like mm-hmm. it's creating its own thing. It sets oh, up. Fuck this, man, as someone who lost the only professional mentor that I have ever had. To a, an ill-timed, oh, sure. untimely, uh, unexpected death. Thanos, yeah. There is, uh, there was a lot in this movie that really resonated very emotionally with me. I, I think Mysterio's fantastic, and I think there's like two separate parts of the movie where the visuals are really, really like some of Marvel's best stuff. I just really liked Far From Home. I'd recommend you go see it if you have a passing interest in Spider-Man. Hell yeah, baby. And, and uh, uh, we got there's a couple things out this weekend. We might go to the movies tomorrow. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You said something about uh, the art of self defense. I don't even know what that is. It's uh, Jesse Eisenberg. He gets he's like a big time dork. That sounds about and right. He gets, and he gets beaten up by a biker gang. And nice. Then he tries to learn karate to like feel confident and comfortable and, you know, have uh, for protection purposes. But then it's like this big exploration of toxic masculinity as a very, like, quirky indie comedy about karate. And I, I've heard it's fantastic. I really want to see it. This is going to sort of reveal something about me here that I'm not proud of. Yeah. I heard you describe that movie. Yeah. I feel like I'm cheering for the biker gang. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you later. <laughs>
Bye.